Starting Sunday, September 1st, St. Mark will begin live streaming their services at www.stmarklive.com. We're excited for this opportunity to widen our reach of worship. Stay tuned as Dr. Parlow and Pastor Ben will touch on the subject of live streaming as they discuss the modern world of DIY faith. Welcome to When Fear Reigns, episode number 13. Not superstitious about this at all, although when you go to Hong Kong, uh, Dr. Parlow, you're not going to find a 13th floor in any of the buildings. I'm aware of that. I do know that eight is a very good number. Eight is a good number. Four, not so much. Four, not so much at all. No, No. but so there'll be lots of uh, floor number eights. Uh, not any floor number 13, but we're going to record episode number 13. And we're going to start a four-part series talking about what Christians are. Remember, uh, it was episode 11. We talked about what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the What are the fundamentals of that? Uh, but we're going to look at some of the objections people have to the church of God because of Christians and what it means, uh, how we can best articulate uh, a position that helps people see that Christians um, – are not perfect, but they're not a good reason to stay away from Jesus. And today we're going to talk about Christians as a part of a whole, not individuals. But before we get going, uh, uh, John, we have to get talking about something that's been in the news lately. At the time of recording, we're about a week after two big mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Can you just help us think through when when such uh, massive evil tragedy strikes? How does a how does a Christian explain that? How do they help maybe their kids understand that or talk about it in the community? I think again, we would all say we're, we're, our hearts certainly go out to those people who are now expressing incredible sorrow that none of us wishes on anybody, and certainly we don't want to experience ourselves. But it's a it's a stark reminder that we live in a sin filled, sin fallen, sin marred world. And there is evil, and that's a real existence in this world. Uh, it's it's difficult. The thing that sometimes frustrates me, and you know I'm kind of a political junkie. A little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Is is all these people blaming different things from, from its lack of security to not the right security to guns to the wrong type of guns and so on. And certainly we want decent uh, decent laws and make sure that we do what we can. I'm certainly a Second Amendment person, but I also understand that you have to have background checks and you mm-hmm. certainly keep you keep guns out of people's hands that should not have them. And we have a lot of laws already doing that. But finally, you're not going to be able to legislate safety. And that's what t- sometimes people realize. And so it gives Jesus followers an opportunity to go ahead and build a bridge. I, I always think of it this way. It's reality. We live in a world, a world that's filled with evil. I always think that God could have created the world, and many will tell you this, four different ways. He could have created nothing at all. It was just him. And so he just figured, yeah, yeah. I don't need fellowship with he any of you. sufficient on yeah, his own. Right? I, I'm just doing fine by myself. Yeah. He could have created a world with no evil and no good. In other words, nothing is wrong. Amoral. Anything goes. It's amoral. Yeah. Go ahead and do whatever you need to do. But And he didn't. Or he could have created a world where you could only choose good. Sure. You are programmed to only choose good, which means you have no freedom. Yeah, certainly. Kind of robotic. Actually, yeah, we're yeah, automatons. Yeah. yeah. Or you could have created a world with the possibility of good and evil where we're able to choose good in that sense. And that fourth world is the only world where love is possible. What do you mean by that? Well, if, if first of all, if God is the only one around, we're not around to sure. practice love. If there's no good or evil, there's really not a concept of love. If you're programmed to love someone, is that really love? Yes, I'm programmed yeah, sure. to like you. Yeah. But if I choose to love you, that's a whole different ballgame. The point is, uh, when God created this world, 
he gave us free will, and free will made evil possible. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve's sin and our sin makes evil a reality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we have to share with people. That doesn't mean that we're not there to be empathetic and sympathetic and share the peace that surpasses all understanding that only Jesus gives. But it's reality. Let's let's face it. We live in this world and no legislation at the local, state, or federal government is ever going to be able to bring that peace and that assurance and end evil on this earth before Jesus comes again. I was listening to the radio and they were they brought on a psychologist, I think it was, to talk about how do you how do you talk about these shootings with young kids? And it just struck me how hollow that explanation is when you cannot clearly and accurately define sin and therefore evil. And when you have no solution then to that evil, if you take Jesus out of the equation, then it is really hopeless to stand in, in front of something like Dayton or El Paso or the Holocaust or uh, you know the, the experiments done in T- uh, in Tuskegee Institute, those kinds of things. It's it's incredibly daunting. Sure, sure. Without a savior who says, "I'm going to draw you out of, I'm going to enter that evil to then draw you out of it and take you to be with me in heaven." So it's certainly a time you want to keep uh, y- your country and its leaders in your prayers, and and those are, that are first responders and police officers sure. who so often are the first people on the scene that run toward danger rather than run away from it. Yeah, and I think we as Jesus followers want to be good neighbors. That means looking out for the safety of our neighbors as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Thanks for helping us think through that. I know that's heavy on the minds of many people, but we want to get into this idea of Christians being part of a whole. And I think to back up, uh, we have to come to grips with this availability of all kinds of resources, all kinds of ways to learn about faith, learn about Jesus, learn about the Bible. It almost has created a, a culture of what I call DIY faith, do-it-yourself faith. And what I mean by that is Jesus followers have lots of places to inform themselves, to understand their faith better. They can curate their own authors, uh, speakers, videos, podcasts. Certainly, this is one of them. Uh, they can fill themselves up with all kinds of messages from all kinds of teachers and preachers. What are the risks and benefits of living in a time where faith, my faith, is really something that I can put together on my own? What would you say? Ben, you're talking about the the reality of something that did not exist 30 plus years ago when I started ministry, and that is the concept of an online church community or online faith community. And yeah, there are pros and cons like anything on the internet. I would think a lot of the pros that people probably have read about and would say too is um, it it provides kind of an on-ramp to check out Christianity. We at St. Mark Ministries call it like the front door, where instead of people coming over and maybe coming into a building among people they've never met before, at least they can kind of get a flavor, so to speak, if uh, of what they're going to find when they come here, come to one of our campuses. It's also a way to maybe uh, in a, a interactive uh, chat room on our streaming uh, service to ask a question and get an answer and that you don't have to feel embarrassed if you think it was a, a dumb question or a, a kind of a, a tough question. It's another way that you can connect with people. Let's say you go out of town, you go up north during the, the summer, as so many people do. They're up at their parents' cabin or their own cabin or they're traveling and with family vacations, they can still stay connected. And so we call that, that's kind of like the side door where they're not able to be there physically, sure. but yet they can stay connected to their faith community and continue to grow in their faith. 
Also, it can be an opportunity to maybe maybe connect with a small group ahead of time. Let's say you have uh, you, you utilize some of the things on uh, social media that enable you to be in interactive groups yeah, online, yeah. where you're not really sure about those people, but you want to get a little uh, feeling of what this is all about. That's certainly a good thing to do. It's also a good way for newcomers to build maybe some relationships ahead of times, get some answers, question, maybe get some anxiety uh, leveled off. And it's also a great way to offer people living outside your area to be part of what you're offering. Mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful blessing. I firmly expect that we will have several people, especially as in the next couple of weeks or so at the time of this uh, recording, that we're going to be live streaming. Well, I, I sure. assume we're going to have people outside the state wanting to be involved in and listening to our messages at St. Mark Ministries and maybe even going ahead and supporting that with certainly their prayers, but also maybe mm-hmm. with some of their dollars. I expect that. Now, the cons, you know, people can come up with a lot of cons. It's hard to do life as Jesus followers when you're in your boxers in your basement. It's kind of <laughs> difficult. A lot of people say, well, I'm afraid if we have online services, whether it's a Bible class, a small group, or services themselves, that, well, it can cannibalize your services. Okay. Another con, obviously, is hard to give the Lord's Supper or baptize sure, someone yeah. online, which you can't do. Obviously, it can really hurt some specialized ministries like youth ministries or children's ministries or small Mm -hmm. groups because uh, that's meant to gather together. Certainly, there's that whole component of how do you serve someone as you stay at the university of your parents' basement? Mm -hmm. You can't. You simply can't. And yeah, can you serve people maybe connecting with them and giving them a word of encouragement? Yes, you can. I should say that. But the kind of service the one another's God often speaks of does, it requires your physical presence. And finally, even, even mentoring people, help, helping them grow and mature in the faith, maybe uh, help them develop their spiritual giftedness and their leadership gifts, that's often difficult to do and certainly hindered when it comes to, I'm just an online consumer mm-hmm. of all some of the great stuff that's out there, as well as, yeah, you can have a lot of information, but you may not be so good at filtering between truth and falsehood, sure. and that opens you up to a whole other Pandora's box of air. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot like if your only relationships are social media relationships, that's great. You get connected to a lot of people, see a lot of things that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise. But the, the kind of tough part, the really rewarding and fulfilling part of having a friend or having somebody that's really you're really, really close with, you don't get the benefit of that. Yeah. The other thing you don't have, Ben, your age group and those younger than you is is you're not really doing real life. Hmm. Let's face it, Facebook, Snapchat, all those are like, hey, this is the best part of me. It's like years ago, you won't remember this because you weren't born yet, but people used to do these Christmas letters, and I always hated yeah. these Christmas letters where they'd brag about their kids like, when my kid fills his diaper, it's pure gold. You know, And, <laughs> and, and my kid is now speaking in, not only in English, but Spanish yeah. and learning Russian, yeah. and he's only three. Yeah. Right? And I always wanted to say, well, my kid's... Uh, yeah. I have a kid. Don't out your boys. Yeah, <laughs> they can't say fire truck. <laughs> you know, but he, yeah. he loves to scream the word anyways, but not with truck. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, you got all these different things. It's like it's make-believe world. But when we have to do life together, it's often the nitty-gritty, the good, but also reality, the bad, the failures. And yeah. oftentimes on an online communication and online relationship, that's not always seen. Yeah. And there's there's something deeply humanizing about that when you see somebody because like you said social media it's kind of like seeing other people's highlight reel that's kind of how i put it but there's it's humanizing when you see 
and they they have tough days too. This hero of mine that I follow, this preacher that I love, that I listen to, or this podcaster, whatever, uh, this YouTuber, man, they're so awesome. But then you see them in person, and oh, we're a lot alike. We actually go through a lot of the same things, and and our lives aren't all that different. And and I think there's something rewarding about that, and something that really really helps you click. Um, makes this life, my life, seem less like a drag and more helpful and meaningful and important. And as you talk about, as we talk into that group coming together, Christians not being isolated, but being a group, uh, we kind of, in our notes here, we kind of talk about connected to the pack or connected to the group. But the Bible uses a really powerful image of the body. And it, the body describes the, the Jesus followers as they come together. Can you help us unpack that imagery? Well, yeah, we use our giftedness to help the body in general. There are 93, 94 passages that talk about one another, pray for one another, encourage yeah. one another, serve one another, grow with one another, worship with one another. Those are all part to make the body stronger in and of itself. And again, as we'll talk about, no doubt throughout this podcast as well as others, that it's it's not just about you. It's about you using the gifts God has given you to serve others in his name, or as we say around here often, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I think that's really important, the idea that, you know, someone else has a different giftedness than I do. Well, they can, I'm giving them an opportunity to use it, and maybe I can work with them or partner with them so that I can bring my gifts to the table, and together we can make this movement that Jesus has allowed us to be part of even more effective, humanly speaking, as we share his truth in our mission area. I, but you got to have someone else there to do that with, because not all of us own all of the gifts. Everybody's different. As as you get older someday, Ben, and something that I've certainly <laughs> learned now, boy, you know, I, I've got a body, but not all the parts work as well as they used to. And uh, they all don't do the same thing. And that's just like kind of like the body of Christ. You need other people to not only hold you accountable, mm-hmm. to help you reach your potential or or be better than you are now. And that requires other people involved. I think that's, mm-hmm. again, why you have all the one another's. We often say here, we just don't want you sitting in rows on a Saturday night or Sunday morning or Monday night at all three of our campuses. We think you do life better in a circle, mm-hmm. in groups, mm-hmm. with friends. And we often ask that question, how many 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. friends do you have that you can call at a moment's notice when there's been a disaster or there's been some troubling event in your life and you know they will be there for you. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, they just text me. That's so nice of them. It's another thing when they're at your front door saying, how can I help? Yeah, yeah. And that body mentality of refreshing each other, of building each other up, of drawing out of each other the best. Uh, You know, you think of the way your internal organs, uh, for example, work together in this symphony that that 99% of the time works so well. And then you remove one. I mean, if you lost one lung, that wouldn't all work as well together. There'd be, there, it would be hampered a little bit. And the believers, the Jesus followers that come together, they draw the best out of each other, even as it's tough, even as, you know, that friction from having those, those relationships comes into real life. Um, you, you see things in each other, you see giftedness, you see weakness, you see, hey, that's sin. Let's talk about that and let's see how well, God forgives. Yeah, and, and as we've said before, if you're going to disciple other people and do life with other people, that all, that all gives a picture of scripture does. That you have other people involved. Uh, I'll go back to something way before, and some listeners will understand this. I mean, people often used to say, "Well, you know, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto." Now you never watch that. <laughs> or, or let me let me go a little. Batman had Robin. Yeah. Okay. Or um, Jordan had Pippin. Yeah. Or no, no. <laughs> Here's my favorite. You might not know the Green Hornet 
had uh, Cato, I think his name was, right? Cato was marvelous. Now, in your day, maybe it was the fact that you don't see the Avengers, all the Avengers movies that you guys watch. They're not like doing it themselves. Don't they yeah. usually have yeah. like a team? A group together. I, I, I just think that expresses, although that I wouldn't go biblical with that, but I mean, <laughs> I just think it's the idea that we do life together as well. And, and when you're contributing, whether it's, and you talk about this, contributing or consuming. Yeah. That's a difficult thing because we're we're all by nature going to feed ourselves because that's yep. how we're, yep. our sinful nature goes. And technology hasn't helped. I mean, you can live in Alexa world. Alexa, get this for yep. me. Yep. Siri, get this for me, and not really have to do anything. We got to struggle against that. And then yep. I think of those passages that say, you know, be kind and compassionate to one mm-hmm. another, mm-hmm. forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians four thirty two. The word kind there, and you know, there's from biblical language, the Greek language is, it's, I, I'm, I'm going to serve the other person. It's, again, yeah. it's this idea that I'm not here to be served. I'm going to go out of my way and care for someone else. Or the whole agape, the word for love that's so prominent in the Bible, the idea that I'm going to do this for you and expect nothing in return. Yeah. That means you just can't sit in your basement. You can't sit in your barco lounger with the cup holder, with the channel changer, or not even have a channel. That's, I'm dating myself. There's not even channel changers anymore. You just say, you can speak into the remote. We just say, yeah. change the channel. I'm too lazy yeah. to get off my butt. You know? It's, but, but my point is, it's the idea that we're here to die to self because Christ died for us to serve others in his name. And that's, that's all part of the body thing. We're getting yeah. right back to the body yeah. thing that we're here, not just to be about ourselves. And that's really, I think that's exemplified by the head of the body, right? Who is Christ? I mean, you look at uh, his temptations when he goes off into the desert, and the f- there's such a fascinating thing there that happens when when the devil comes to him and says, "Look, you're hungry. Make yourself food. There's nothing sinful about food. There's nothing wrong about food. Hey, look, here are the 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 uh, kingdoms of the world. There's nothing wrong. You're going to be king of kings. You're going to rule over all these sure. all these kingdoms. Why don't you and the the temptation for Jesus was not to get what he deserved, or it wasn't that he wasn't going to get the kingdoms, or he wasn't going to get food. It was to serve himself with that miracle, with that power. And I think of the the rest of the body follows in line with that. We use the powers that God's given us, the blessings, the gifts that God's given us, not for ourselves, but to serve others. There's a temptation to want to do it for me, but that's not why God. Right, why we're, we're not the leader, and you know that's Jesus is our Lord. Yeah, and I always think it's a violation of the first commandment. It ultimately is. It's something we all struggle with. We're born little gods and goddesses, or at least we think so. Mm-hmm. That's why your toddler mm-hmm. says to you, "You're not the boss of me." <laughs> yeah, 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 I, yeah, I am. And then no, I do it te- myself. That's what they, my kid says. <laughs> and then they get to be teenagers, and they still tell you, "You're not the boss of me," or you don't know anything. <laughs> like somehow your parents have gone brain dead. And then they get to be 23, 25 years old. You'll find this out. And then one day they look at you and go, "I guess you were kind of right." <laughs> or they start acting like you, and then you tell them, you know, you're doing that just what we told you to do. Yeah, yeah. And then you realize, oh, look at they actually listened. And then they think, oh, my parents really got smart over the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so that's – I always think it's a, it's a first commandment issue. Yeah, because you really learn to submit to Jesus by submitting to the challenges that come in real relationships Absolutely. by your, your fellow believers. Which I think is one of the challenges. I've heard people say something like, you know, I, I worship God in nature. My church is nature. Or I worship God best alone. And I think at the heart of that, if I can read behind the actual statement just a little bit, I think people are saying, I'm the best Jesus follower when I'm by myself. What do you say to that? Well, again, we've, we've talked a lot about how we're supposed to do life together yeah. as his disciples. But I look at Jesus' example. Uh, he could have just said, well, 
I'm going to worship my father in nature, so I'm going to hang out in a boat or I'm going to hang out on a... <laughs> See you guys. Like, yeah, I created all of this, so I'm just going to really enjoy my creation. He didn't do that. And Jesus didn't uh, hang out alone. He takes, you know, 12 guys to begin with. Uh, and the father's listening to us right now. You'd never let your daughters date any of the apostles before the resurrection. <laughs> they were all losers one way or another. But it's the idea that, you know... Uh, he told us to go as you're going, having gone, I want you to make disciples. You're going to have to work with other people. He's sending yep. us to yep. be his ambassadors. That means we're going to have a conversation with someone. We are to be servants. Well, it's hard to wash someone's feet if there's no one there. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, I think you use the example of a, a better husband without a wife. Don't you say yeah, that? What do yeah. you say? Well, it's just, uh, I think, you know, it's like saying, I'm the best husband I could be if my, when my wife's not around. <laughs> of course you are. Because it's easy to be a husband when you don't have somebody, or I'm the best friend, or I'm a best, the best student I could be when I have no teacher. Well, duh, but then you're not really a student, or you're not really a husband, you're not really a friend if you don't have somebody else. That's where it gets tough, and that's where it gets important in that, that term, you know, the role of husband has meaning because I have a wife. Well, we've, we've often talked about this in messages and Bible classes and maybe even podcasts where uh, how do you express your faith? Well, it's a lived out faith. Yeah. Yeah. How do I express agape love to someone? By serving that person. The early Christian church, you, you read what a lot of the Roman philosophers and historians said, and even some of the Caesars said, you know, those Christians, they're kind of odd, but they really do care for one another. And one yeah. of them says, I can't remember yeah. what his name was. I don't think it was Tacitus. It was someone who said, listen, they even take care of our poor yeah. and yeah. our sick. Well, that's the nature of living out your faith. So yeah. you just it can't be about you, and it has to be about uh, putting it in real life in someone else's life. Well, and I think that's one of the deepest thorns that goes that pokes against this idea of I can do it by myself or I'm a DOI faith. When you say to somebody, hey, come along with me to church. I want you to meet this Jesus that I worship and love, but I'm not going for the next three months because it's my time off. Well, yeah, yeah. it always it always bothers me. Like, yeah, I'm just going to take a break from Jesus during the summer or during Lent or, you know, what you yeah, choose your yeah, time frame. Yeah. It's interesting, when our Savior walks on this earth, one of the things he did is you can see through the Gospels and can add it up, and I forgot what the number is, it's 30, 40, 50, 60 times, where it references, and Jesus went to the synagogue. Yeah, well, if anybody yep. could have skipped church, right. it was Jesus. <laughs> he could have said, nah, yeah. I wrote all of this. In fact, yeah. don't even open the scroll, I'll just quote it to you. Yeah, that's right. right. But yet, he went there. Already at 12, right? He's yeah, the boy in the yeah. temple. He goes yeah, to the he's, temple. he's pretty good at that point. Yeah. So, you know, this idea that that we don't need that is is just foolish thinking. And again, we're just deceiving ourselves and giving a foothold for the devil to convince us that we're better than we are and we're really not in need of what we are. I think there's a place for compassion. Uh, and you've heard this too. But people, well, Jesus followers, in all earnestness and honesty and truthfulness will come and say, I get what you're saying about being a member of a church. I get what you say about engaging with the, the family of believers regularly, but I'm just not being fed. Or I don't get along with the people or the pastor. Um, I'm sure that there's no That's why that. we have three. <laughs> Choose the one you like. Right. I was going to say, I'm sure here at St. Mark, nobody complains about the pastors. Well, but <laughs> You haven't been here long enough. But how do you, like, how do you address that with compassion, understanding, and clarity? You know... It, 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 it's it's just trite to say, well, it's not about you. Is that true? Yes. But I think we all have to be on guard, pastors, teachers, staff ministers, called workers, hired workers in the in the Christian church, as well as um, people who are working in ministry, as I often say, non-paid ministry, like many of the people listening right, right now. Yeah. 
is is we're all consumers, and sometimes you can get caught up in an ecclesiastical consumerism. Uh, you know, Jesus in in Matthew chapter nine verse twelve says something like, "You know, I'm after mercy, not religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle." you insiders and mm-hmm. so on. And I think the problem is seemingly sometimes is long-term insiders. Uh, I could tell you in ministry, my greatest challenge, and some would say opportunity for ministry in in a church setting is never the people outside our faith. Mm. It's the people inside and a lot of times the long-term members. Countless, you know, members, countless leaders are all given into uh, Christian consumerism. That's just part of what sure. we are. And so we'll say, yeah, I want to, I, I want to make sure I reach the lost. I want to go ahead and pick up my cross and die it again, you know, and, and, you know, whatever you need to do as a Christian. But then ultimately it becomes, it's all about me, spiritual narcissism, uh, turned inward, you know, meet my needs first, feed me first consumerism. You know, here, just listen in on things that I've heard through the years, and I even wrote a few of these down. Sure, yeah. you know, people always say, of course I want to reach lost people. But then they're like, but just so you know, I'm never going to switch over and go to a different service so I can make room for more, especially on a weekend when we have a holiday. Sure. When we know we're going to have more visitors. Well, I don't want to go to the Saturday night service. Or why are we turning this ministry over to a bunch of 20-year-olds? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? They would never get off their phone. Or, hey, listen, you're in my seat. And we often talk about that. But let's face it. I'll challenge all those that are listening right now. Sit somewhere else and yeah. note you might feel a little uneasy and different. Someone's going to mention something to you like, hey, I saw you said somewhere else. Or pastors. You know, you mean I have to maybe approach my message differently? Yeah. Maybe structure it differently. Maybe craft the sermon in a way that I, I'm not used to doing. Or you mean to tell me we have to introduce this instrument into yeah, the worship yeah. service? Or hey, as a pastor now, I, you know, it's I have to work forty or fifty or sixty hours. I hope right all those things, or just that amount. Or you mean to tell me we're gonna we're gonna offer an opportunity, but I'm gonna have to sit down. And when the service is live, but then the sermon's on a video, mm-hmm. it's shown on a screen or a TV, and, and do that to reach whom? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm ready. Why should I have to sacrifice for that? Or you know that I don't like the fact that the pastor's not wearing a tie, <laughs> or he's not wearing all of the vestments, or yeah. heaven forbid, he's wearing jeans. Or what? What do you mean? You want me to go and start a new church? Mm-hmm. You want me to be a missionary for six months? Or uh, you're not going to change the music, are you? Because mm-hmm. if you change the music, God knows Jesus sang. I had a grandma, German grandma, mm-hmm. German Russian grandma. She used to think Adam and Eve talked in German. You know, wo bist du, Adam? Yeah. My grandma would say. <laughs> no, grandma, he was Jewish. Believe me, he didn't talk in German. <laughs> oh, little John, you don't know what you're talking about. She used to say. But I mean, this idea that no no, no change at all. Or oh, don't talk about money. Yeah. Don't talk about money. <laughs> Jesus used it as his number one object lesson, but don't talk about money and stuff. Or who's parking in my spot? You mean to tell me we have to have this section reserved for visitors or uh, new people or whatever you want to say? Or, you know, don't stir things up. I like the way the church is right now. And for sure, don't you ever change the name mm-hmm. of our church because you know church is all about our name. And so even if we change our name or don't have everything on our website, that somehow we are sinning, and it's just not going to make me feel good anymore. Those are just some that I wrote down really quickly that, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I've experienced a time or two in ministry, even here. And so I, I think that you have to have those conversations. You you and I have to encourage people to be willing to sacrifice, to be inconvenienced of some type. 
that's part of vision casting. That's part of, of being a, a sales sorger, a, a person who cares for souls. It, it's, it's, you know, evangelism in theory is just fine because in practice, evangelism is the opposite. See, in, in, in practice, it's always involves death to self. Mm. So people can talk a good game, but when you put it into practice, it's always a complete anti-consumer state of mind. So why don't we change? I don't know. How do we change? You look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and you own the truth about our own consumerism, which is this. We say we want them in heaven, but we act as though they can go to hell. Mm -hmm. Mm. If you really believe people spend one of two places in eternity and it's going to be with Jesus or without Jesus, you got to take Jesus' death in there seriously. Mm -hmm. You got to take their kids' death in Jesus seriously. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see how you can say, well, I don't want to do that. Because mm-hmm. it's all about what I grew up with. Well, the world in which you grew up, unless you're 25 or less, doesn't exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist. You changed everything else in your life. I mean, I'm pretty sure you don't have the black and white TV and the phone still <laughs> isn't attached to the wall. So that's just my two cents. Yeah. And I think, you know, for the for the genuine believer who comes and says, you know, I'm not being fed in my church, there, I, I kind of see two, two sides of that. It does not – what we're saying is not to give license to church leaders or a pastor – to abuse their people, to not be willing to change, not try something different, not reach the lost with the way they talk or the way they message or the way they reach in the community. But it also, for the other, for the person who's participating, is a check on that consumerism, right? If, if you don't like, if it's not a doctrinal thing, my church is teaching something that's totally against God's will. Well, absolutely. We're not then, talking doctrine. We're, we're talking, talking about, about right. what we call Christian freedom. <laughs> but for that person who says, I'm not being fed, well... Maybe God has put you into that church. You're part of that body to make the changes that need to happen, to step out of your, to lead the way in stepping out of your comfort zone, to be outward focused, to be gospel. And to step up and maybe be in a leadership role you've never uh, functioned in before. That's absolutely true. I I often tell people, I don't mind when they say, well, did we ever think about doing this? And a lot of times I'll tell them, first of all, um, uh, we tried that. That doesn't work in this mission field. It may have been where you came from, or maybe it's a good idea, or that's planned. And so that's coming up. Or, you know, we never thought of that before. Yeah, and that's yeah. something that we will consider. You just, again, you don't change for the sake of change. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to th- have other people give you feedback on why why you think that's got to change. And mm-hmm. we're not here and you're not saying it and no one's saying it in our ministries. Just change for change's sake. Right. But if I can do something differently to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and it puts me as a pastor in a, in a, a position where I'm out of my comfort zone, I should be willing to at least try that mm-hmm. if it means better serving the people I have and better reaching the people I don't. Yeah, that's really well said. And I think it, it circles right back around to being willing to do that kills the consumerist, kills the person who says, I don't need to be part of the, the whole because it forces you to be the contributor. I'm going and sharing. I'm spreading. I'm sharing my faith. I'm talking about it. I'm being open. I'm living it, right? That love one another. Um, what was so remarkable that they love one another. You're forcing yourself out of your own shell and dying on to that altar of self. I think that's that's incredibly important for the Christian who's part of the whole. Uh, I'm wanting to just run this past you, John, because I've heard this or I've had that conversation with somebody who says, you know, I'm regular at church and come to find out they go to church once every four, six, eight weeks. Why is it so important to be regular? And then what does that regular kind of look like? Well, I think you and I would say from a biblical standpoint, especially when you look at something like Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 23 through 27, it, and, and the Old Testament as well, example of weekly worship. I always ask people why you wouldn't want to come to weekly yeah, worship. Sure. 
and, and gather with one another and support one another and encourage one another and build one another up. I, I truly believe uh, very clearly from the scriptures that the idea of regular worship, when we call worship, we're talking in the very specific, uh, talking about uh, what we call worship services. Sure. The public worship yeah, coming together. I, I would say yeah. weekly. It also says something about your priorities. It reminds you of from where all your blessings come, mm-hmm. including your health and your job and everything else you have. Those are all opportunities to say thanks. It's also an opportunity to be a good example for your neighbors who see you pull out of your car, pull out of your driveway, sure. you know, at, for the 1030 service at 1025 with many of our members, right? <laughs> to get there just as uh, it started, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. But they're still there. Yeah. It, it's important for children to see that their parents understand and, and just don't talk a good game, but say, this is who we are. It's yeah. not what we do. Yeah. It's who we are. And that's why we do. Yeah. Those things are all important. Yes, I can say, is it a command of our God? Sure. But like any other command, it's one that we do because we know what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And it's just a way to express. Certainly when you come to church, we, we there's two two arrows, right? The big arrows. Um, we want to give to God our praise and thanksgiving for all that he has done for us. And yet as we do that, God also gives something to us through his word and sacraments, strength and forgiveness. And who doesn't need that mm-hmm. after, as I'll just go right back to the beginning of a week where last week we heard of horrific yeah. crimes where people were slaughtered. And it, it reminds you of what's really important, that it's not the temporal, it's the eternal. And people need to know that message because it's the only message that gives them hope now and eternity hereafter. That's a great place to end our conversation about Christians being part of the whole. And it's true that the whole is not easy to be part of for every individual Christian. It is tough. Uh, for pastors, for staff ministers, for uh, the person sitting in the seats on an average Sunday. Uh, but if you were to find any five Jesus followers, you'll find five sinners. That's that's part of the deal. But the the whole, the body is stronger working together than it ever is alone. It is stronger with uh, you in it, stronger with uh, the person next to you in it, it's stronger with your family, it's stronger with with each individual part being playing their role in that body. And I hope you've found some encouragement to love the whole, love Jesus' body uh, the way Jesus loved it. Re-engage with them, uh, love them better and than they have loved you. Jesus certainly did. Most of all, I hope that our time together today has helped make room in your life for the fear of God to reign in every part of your life. Thanks for joining us on this episode of When Fear Reigns. Subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and visit www.stmarklive.com starting September 1st as we start live streaming our 9 a.m. Sunday services.